3: You're listening to the Rock and Roll Heaven Podcast with L.D. and Will the Thrill. Can you dig that, baby?
1: (laughs) Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I'm your host, L.D. Along with me is Will the Thrill. Hello. And T.J. too. (laughs) it never gets old
0: it really doesn't
1: oh man so we're we're back we're rested uh t how was your week
0: oh dandy
1: oh not fine and dandy
4: no
0: all right no Uh,
4: no that would be that would be overselling things
0: (laughs) (laughs) excellent sometimes dandy is a win
4: I, i am quite um I am quite excited because this is going to be the first episode of the Rural Heaven Podcast with LSD and BM. Or whatever <laughs> it. Um, it, it's a, it's about a person I know very little about.
0: Oh, you're in for a treat.
4: Because this is, I think, the fourth episode I've done. The first one was Pat Denizio. I'm a big Smithereens fan, so I knew a lot <laughs> about him. Then John Prine, big fan of his, even more so after researching his life. And then Joe Diffie. I mean, I was a country music disc jockey in his heyday so obviously knew a lot about him the extent to which i know anything about this guy is that he was in a video that reminded us how hot rachel hunter was
0: the amazing thing is as you will see there's you know him you do and i'm going to go through all the things that you will recognize and you'll go that's him that's him that's him i mean that was me doing this research so oh wow okay, hey, it's I'm, it's amazing I'm looking
4: forward to that. It's, um, it's an opportunity to trod into unfamiliar territory to Veer our ship into the cone of uncertainty.
0: And, and yet it will be very familiar. You will see. All right. Shall we?
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, well, let's, let's go. Out.
0: Let's do All it. All right, let's do it. Okay, so I think your comment, TJ2, was very appropriate. Um, let me tell you a little backstory. As you know, I am a proud New Jerseyan. Grew up there. Spent a lot of time at the Applebee's restaurant in Totowa. I was employed there, and this was during the uh, the late 90s. It was, a, it was a high school job. No, I think we were both Apple
1: Buddies. We were, Both yeah. me and Mr. Uh, Will the Thrill actually both worked at Applebee's. Did you quit, or did you get fired? Oh, no, I left voluntarily. Did you? Yes, I did. I think I got fired. I got fired from a lot of places when I was younger.
0: Well, I, I left because, as I said earlier, it was a high school job, and I was accepted to college in Boston, so I, I had to leave. Oh, and I did not uh, at you with your fancy booklearn. Take take my employment with me, but what I did take was perhaps the most inconvenient commute ever. Now, if you map the route from my parents' house to the Applebee's in Totowa, well, there is a direct route which I, for reasons unknown, opted not to take. I took uh, I-287 to Route 23 to Route 46, which took me through Wayne, New Jersey. And every day I passed this big old honkin' sign off the freeway, which is off 46. At, it was actually near the junction of 23 and 46. It said Fountains of Wayne. And I used to think, well, that's a silly name for a store. <laughs> and uh, little did I know that at this time, the key principle of founding found, uh, Fountains of Wayne was kind of hacking his way through New York, doing gigs and making a name for himself. So to your point earlier, TJ, you know Adam Schlesinger. I know Adam Schlesinger. Everybody knows something with Adam Schlesinger. I'm just going to connect those dots, and you're going to see just how prolific this guy was. As the lead singer of Fountains of Wayne, who was Schlesinger's longtime friend and collaborator, Chris Collingwood, said, Like a lot of workaholics, he kept a million different things going at once and was incredibly restless just sitting there. He couldn't really sit in the sun and do nothing or go to a movie or the theater because he felt like it was a waste of time. And so, let's look at the life of this man, who was a musician, father, bandmate, he had several bands concurrently, theater, film, and television composer, engineer, album producer, all in what was tragically cut short as a 31-year career. So when we're done, he's going to be the kind of guy where you look at your life and think, man, i got to read a book or something.
1: No, I did that this morning when we were watching the video for James Charles and Jojo Siwa doing the makeover, mm-hmm. and we found out that that 17-year-old is worth like a billion dollars, and I looked at my life and went, crap.
0: <laughs> well, you're going to see how much Adam Schlesinger did and just how yeah. prolific his career I'm was.
4: A, I, I'm worth at least 89 cents a pound.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how much do you weigh? Uh, about 195 pounds. Hang on, I'm gonna do we're, the we're gonna uh, a, I'm gonna do the math on that. So uh, for those of you interested a, in purchasing, okay. So you're 89 cents a pound, and then you said you're about 100 and what?
4: About 195.
1: You're worth 173 dollars. Sweet, you?
0: look at you. Yeah.
1: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> There's no segue. Yeah,
0: I feel like we've gotten off track here, so let's get back to <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> let's get back to. A complete life in music is the only way I can call it for Adam Lyons Schlesinger. Born on Halloween 1967, Adam was born into a Jewish household on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, which is many know is an affluent area. His mother, Bobby, worked in PR, and his father was a charity foundation administrator. So fairly well off by by all accounts. And his mother, Bobby, recalls her son at the age of three singing songs by the Beatles around the house. And LD, I'm going to see if you can guess what Adam's favorite song was. Maxwell Silverhammer. It was, in fact, Maxwell Silverhammer. How did
1: I know that?
0: (laughs) So just picture a (laughs) three-year-old running around the house singing, bang, 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 Maxwell Silverhammer came down (laughs) upon her head. So uh, he was doing it at age three. And actually, according to his mother, Bobby, he knew all the Beatles albums by heart by age three so it's no mystery no no, seriously how did i get that (laughs) (laughs) i don't know so while his parents occupations don't really point to this fact adam was born into a household that was known for entertainment and music his grandfather murray bernthal was a well-known violinist in new york he performed and he was also a music producer now does the name bernthal ring a bell to anybody john Barenthal. it's actually bernthal Okay, then no. <laughs> uh, TJ2, any recognition? I, I, I,
4: I, am, I am clueless, sir.
0: Gotcha. Actor John Bernthal is, in fact, Adam's cousin. And he's best known for his portrayal of Shane Walsh in The Walking Dead. Wait, so, I thought you always pronounced it Barenthal. I, maybe I pronounced it wrong. It's, it's spelled Bernthal.
1: Okay. So, so I was right, and you've just always mess up the pronunciation it's entirely possible yes okay so like <laughs> everything else this is your fault <laughs> sure
4: <laughs> and uh. and and you might remember him from the what's going down episode of that's my mama
0: are you serious what no no <laughs> I was like, wait! I'm checking my pages here. I'm like, what? What?
4: Yeah, I just, I just, I just randomly decided to quote "Coming to America." I'm sorry. <laughs> Very nice.
0: But uh, his cousin John was known for The Walking Dead. He was also, I think, most notably known for playing the Punisher, Punisher. in the series on Netflix, um, which he nailed that role. But I'm not going to divert into that. He was also known for roles in The Pacific, Fury, and The Wolf of Wall Street. So there's some entertainment, you know, roots growing. And her. you know who
1: else was in The Wolf of Wall Street? A lot of people. Henry (laughs) Zebrowski.
0: Yes, he was. Co-host of Last Podcast on the Left. Which I am a huge fan of. Excellent. So at age five, uh, the family moves to Montclair, New Jersey. Again, a little closer to my my nexus there. And uh, he started playing the piano. And Montclair, at this point, was kind of an up-and-coming community. He went to Montclair High School. And he started taking classes on poetry and rock music. And according to those around him, he listened to everything he could get his hands on. He listened to Billy Joel, The Police, Frank Zappa, Run DMC. Uh, They even chartered a band, which they named Prufrock, which is actually named after one of Elliot's famous poems, The Love Song of Alfred Prufrock, which probably went over a lot of kids' heads at that time. Uh, They actually made their debut on the lawn outside the Montclair Public Library. (laughs) And to quote his mother, again, this is Adam's mother, And they were good. So you got that going for you. I feel like...
4: What do we we expect his mom to say? Exactly. Yeah, they were crap. Yeah.
0: So needless to say, his parents were supportive of his love of music. And in 1985, Schlesinger graduates from Montclair High School, and he heads off to Western Massachusetts to a small college called Williams. And a lot of people are like, oh, is that near Boston? No, it's really not. It's about two hours and 40 minutes west of Boston. And he took on a double major english and philosophy so he's got two majors and while he was doing this he joined a band called rhythm method which was a cover band for parties and they played basically anything anyone wanted they played prince they played aha they played anything that was in vogue at the 80s um and And they named
4: themselves after a uh failed birth control method
0: that they did which is um quite entertaining Uh,
4: Hey, hey uh you ever heard the old joke Hey, what do you, what do you call uh, people who use the rhythm method? Okay. Parents?
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> so needless to say, this was the name of their cover band throughout the college years while he was doing a double major. So you can kind of see the, the workaholic creeping out a little bit. One of his good friends was, named, was a gentleman named David Barr Katz. And some of you may know Katz as a well-known screenwriter and playwright. In fact, he wrote John Leguizamo's Pest and Freak. And he's actually currently a writer on Ray Donovan. So he was one of Adam's good friends. And he said they bonded being, quote, fellow Jews in a sea of New England wasps. And in fact, uh, he this is really funny. So to, you know, allude a bit to Adam's musical aptitude, Katz tells a story of someone bet Adam he couldn't learn Bach's Goldberg variation in three weeks. And Katz says, of course, Adam did it. And then he played them at a recital at the end of the month. So there's really no musical (laughs) challenge this guy wouldn't take on. Yeah. So again, he plays piano. He plays guitar. He plays, he's already known for sort of doing it all.
4: And so you're already kind of seeing that there's a lot more depth to this guy and his talent than what the general public might know right off the top of their heads.
0: Exactly. Absolutely. Again, I think you're going to be floored as we go on to this. His time at Williams was important because at that point, Schlesinger met, almost as if by fate, a fellow singer, songwriter, guitar player. And that gentleman's name was Chris Collingwood. So hold that name. It's going to be important later. Uh, They were inseparable almost immediately. In fact, Collingwood would actually go home with Schlesinger when they would have their winter breaks and summer breaks and he'd hang out in Montclair. And the two of them would debate the top 40. So TJ2, you'll like this one of their biggest points of contention was singer Taylor Dane. Remember her? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, LD, any takers? Oh, yeah. So Taylor Tell Dane was... Get my heart! Uh, yep. <laughs> so needless to say, Schlesinger loved Taylor Dane, thought she was amazing, and Collingwood couldn't stand her. So they were at odds over that one. But they agreed on their sort of mutual inspirations when it came to guitar, which included R.E.M. and The Replacements. So they would listen to songs by those bands and play them back and forth and kind of swat them around. Collingwood quotes, A lot of our time was spent listening to records and saying to each other, This band made it. How hard could it really be? Neither one of us has ever written a good song, and I remember we were both going about it all wrong, but in so many ways, Adam was always confident, even back then.
4: That's interesting influences. It really is. is. Uh, Michael Stipe and Paul Westerberg.
0: And it all started with the Beatles at age three. So (laughs) you figure that one out.
4: And, of course, Taylor Dane. And
0: Taylor Dane, yes. So in 1989, Adam graduates from Williams College, and he spent the remainder of the summer actually in Martha's Vineyard. He played around several restaurants as the piano guy. You know, he would sit in the, the lobby of the restaurant, play the piano, and he'd essentially get tips. And he went on to tell his family that was one of the best jobs he ever had. He loved it. And then there was a brief period where Adam thought he was going to be an attorney. And in the words of his father, that was a good idea that faded. And that was also good Uh, (laughs) because he said he was so smart that he would have breezed through law school and spent the rest of his life regretting he hadn't given music a shot. I kept my mouth shut. (laughs) So that's his father.
4: That's pretty, yeah, pretty cool parents to say, God, law school would have been so easy for him. God, he would have just, just coasted and made tons of money and never had to work that hard.
0: So Adam and Chris actually cut an album in college. They named their band Pinwheel, but the album actually never saw the light of day. So no one really knows what was on it except those two. And of course, unfortunately, Adam took that with to him. Oh, so Wow,
4: so even once they attained some popularity, those didn't. The, these, these songs didn't come out
0: at some point? Well, they cut an album, but the album never went anywhere. So okay. I don't know if maybe Collingwood has copies of the recordings or Adam Schlesinger did or somebody did, but it really never was released basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. But like you said, they are gaining popularity in the, in the college circuit. So in the early nineties, this is about uh, 91, give or take, he's been out of college about two years. Schlesinger decides he's going to move to New York and he leaves Massachusetts. He goes to New York and that sort of separated him from Chris Collingwood for a time. And he joined up with an indie pop trio called Ivy. This was around 1993. And Ivy, if you haven't heard of them, is kind of iconically 90s pop. We're going to play a song from them. Uh, they were headed by a, a couple, actually. Boyfriend, girlfriend named Andy Chase and Dominique Durand, who was the vocalist and Chase, was sort of the jack-of-all-trades guitarist, everything. Uh, so Adam gets into the mix. They also had a gentleman named Brian Young on the drums. And in 1993, they put out their first album, Realistic. I'm going to try to find a cut from Ivy. The song I picked was actually Thinking About You, which now that I'm thinking about it, uh, LD is not on Realistic. But we'll get uh, a quick play of that so you can see just how Ivy sounds and, and more importantly, how it sort of ties into Adam's musical life. A little bit by Ivy. What'd you guys think?
1: I mean, I I liked the all rock scene of like the early 90s, but I, I got into a lot of like melancholy lethargy by like 94. So while it does provide a lot of nostalgia for me, it wasn't exactly something that I glommed onto when I was a child. It was kind it, of angsty. It's a very,
4: it's a very familiar sounding... I'm not, I've am not. i never actually mm. heard of this band or, or heard that song, but it, it, it feels like I have heard it. It sounds like a lot of the kind of pop, rock, indie sort of bands from the early to mid-90s.
0: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, funny thing about Ivy is they went on to release a total of six albums from 1995 to 2011. So, keep those dates in mind, because... What you got to remember is Adam is cutting albums with Ivy. Eventually, he's helping produce them. Uh, in fact, in 2001, they appeared on The Conan O'Brien Show. Adam is with Ivy at this point. It's the early 90s. The singer of his band, Ivy, Durand, spoke very fondly of him, saying that he was witty, charming, and just absolutely had an insatiable passion for music. And he would just... Their, all their conversations were revolving around music, making lyrics, melodies, trading guitar licks back and forth. So he's eating sleeping and breathing music at this point uh and he's living in new york unfortunately the uh <laughs> i'm assuming the financial take of being in an early 90s indie pop band is not that great so adam's kicking around doing whatever gigs he can and he links up with a gentleman named jody porter who's a guitar player so he puts out an ad in the village voice so adam goes into audition and porter's initial reaction i'm going to edit this for content says oh, hang on for you guys who don't know what The Village Voice is, okay, <laughs> having lived in New
1: York City, it is a free newspaper that you can get on literally any street corner, but it is an iconic New York newspaper where you can find anything like, there's indie artists. They they do articles on the, the social climate in New York City. They do it on the music scene. And here is a great little buffer, you can actually find adult friends in the Village Voice. And so you have this free newspaper where you can find adult friends, if you know what I'm saying. So if you get the free newspaper, and you find an adult friend, you should go to Adam and Eve, where you can select almost any one item for 50% off. And then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. All you got to do is at checkout, enter offer code RRHeaven and get 10 free gifts. You get a sexy item for him, a sexy gift for her, and a third item that both of you will enjoy. And on top of that, you get the six free spicy movies and free shipping. So all you got to do is go to AdamandEve.com, put in the code RRHeaven and Save, 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 and get more than you could ever ask for. It's a lot of free. Hey, I made it through the entire commercial.
0: (laughs) So I think that's good to give it context because often musicians would advertise in the Village Voice. That was fairly common. And so Adam Schlesinger goes in to audition for Jody Porter and his band. And I'm going to edit this quote for content. He said, that guy was good he cut through those songs with so much vitality that your average guitar center musician isn't gonna know how to do so you get a feel for adams again musical prowess here by 1995 he was busy with ivy at this point he was doing gigs with jody porter's band and they created a new outfit with jody porter called bell tower which started composing tracks for television programs and commercials So Adam is sort of segueing now into a producer role on top of being in two bands. So by late 95, he actually becomes a principal in a record label. So let me ask
1: you a question, Mm -hmm. honey. If he's producing and he's in two bands, why do you complain so much if you have to put your laundry away and take a shower? I have
0: no idea. (laughs) It's putting things into context. Mm Mm-hmm. So he actually joins Scratchy, which is a record label, and some of the key players behind this, I think T.J. Two, you'll know a few of these names, Darcy and James Eha, of the Smashing right. Pumpkins.
4: Oh, okay. But this—he sounds like a. Re, this is a very driven, ambitious dude. Clearly. Like, just from and like his you've
0: con- told us so far. And his connections really know no bounds. Again, he's rubbing elbows with just about everybody. So it was around '95 where Chris Collingwood decides he's going to move to New York and reunite with Adam. So he gets there, and they start sharing a couple of tracks and figure, okay, well, we'll try to make this work. And so they find their way to a music manager, a guy named Michael Crumper. And the thing about Crumper was he had a lot of experience with some of the British bands that were kind of falling off the scene at this point because the whole British invasion was over, and Crumper was immediately taken to their style. Immediately. And he even said that even on a poor quality cassette, you could hear how good these songs actually were. So now they have an advocate in the New York management scene. However, not everybody really saw what Crumper saw. Uh, in fact, this is, you guys will love this. So at this time, Collingwood and Schlesinger unite and they call themselves the Wallflowers. Oh, hang on. Yep. Is, there,
1: is there going to be a problem here or is this... No,
0: there's no problem because what the two opt to do is actually sell the rights to that name to Jacob Dylan. Huh. so they come out ahead and they and just they settled, them.
4: and they settled on a brand new and very original name Led Zeppelin
0: <laughs> <laughs> well it's actually funny because they actually just went back to pinwheel which was the name from their college years so they go back to becoming pinwheel and they sell the name to Jacob Dylan uh, but at this point they're still really unknowns and crumper is trying to pull every string he can to get these boys in so he books them showcases at LD love this cbgB
1: Okay, have you ever been to CBGB? I have, yes. It when it was standing. I went in 2001, 2002. I'm going to tell you, I wore a dress to that club and I think I might have got something by sitting on the seats. <laughs> this is such a dirty. It was so it was one of those clubs where you're just like you don't touch anything <laughs> because you don't know
0: where it's been
1: <laughs> and i think the health department probably shut them down
0: and yet despite all this people in the music scene would go there
1: yeah they, they have if i'm remembering correctly because i've only gone the one time but they have a lower bar and an upper bar and both of them had stages and so i hung out in the lower bar because uh, i i the upper stage for some reason was so much louder than the lower stage And so I wanted I wanted to be a little bit quieter.
0: I just remember I I only went there maybe once that there was always a table reserved for some kind of manager or promo person or somebody, you know, who would come to these gigs. So unfortunately, it's really no dice for Pinwheel. Ergo, Adam Schlesinger is not known for Pinwheel. Uh, Crumper does everything he can. And around this time, an important change happens. Schlesinger and Collingwood actually adjust their sound so you heard Ivy which is very kind of poppy early 90s indie rock So Collingwood and Schlesinger jam up the distortion and that became what in Crumpler in Crumpler's mind was going to become Fountains of Wayne so. Uh, Collingwood is really happy about this. He even goes on to say, who wouldn't want to be in a band with their best friend? We both had the same dream since we were teenagers, and the idea that some giant company was going to come and give us money (laughs) and we'd be able to go around the world never seemed too good to be true. So, Chris and Adam grab Joey, remember from Jody, from the Bell Tower. He was the guitar player. They grab the drummer from Ivy, who is Brian Young, also playing with uh, the Posies, interestingly enough. And they go on to form Fountains of Wayne. And the self-titled album was released in October. It was actually October 1st, 1996 on Tag Records, which was a subsidiary of Atlantic. And this included some known tracks such as Sink to the Bottom, Survival Car, and the song we're going to share, which is Radiation Vibe. So that was Radiation Vibe from the first Fountains of Wayne album, self-titled. It's not bad.
4: (laughs) You know, early 90s pop rock sound. And we get just past the early 90s and they decide to adapt a little edgier, heavier sound with bigger, more distorted guitar. Might that have been the influence of grunge by that time?
0: Oof, well, this is 96, so i no.
1: Yeah, Grunge had kind of passed through already. The end of Grunge well, was kind of 94, 95-ish. It, grunge was on the way out.
4: It, be- it was kind of sort of on the way out, but I just wonder if the change in their band, which happened, as Will was saying a few minutes ago, 94-ish, I wonder if they listened to Nevermind or listened to Super Unknown and said, hmm,
0: Well, it's interesting you say that because a lot of the critics actually said this album was, quote, Nirvana-esque, so quite possibly. Uh, For the record, Collingwood hated the name of the band. He thought Fountains of Wayne was a terrible name, and it was named after the very store I was driving by near, you know. In Wayne, New Jersey. Um, but Schlesinger convinced him to stick with it. Wait, what did they sell? Did they actually sell fountains? They are a lawn ornament store. They're, they're no longer in business. Oh, so yeah. So they
1: did sell probably fountains.
0: Oh, yeah. You could buy a fountain. You could buy, I mean, they had like Ooh, gnomes. The garden gnomes. Yes. Yeah. It was a lawn ornament. Even like sheds and Those stuff. little
1: baby deer that mm-hmm. you could put in your backyard. Exactly. Yeah. The owls to keep other birds away from you. <laughs> if that's your thing, <laughs> it's yeah. It's a cherub. It's two totally different things.
0: Absolutely. From from your retailers at Fountains of Wayne, ladies and gentlemen. I feel
1: like if we you know, when we move to Georgia when me and Will buy our house, we're gonna have to get a replica of the fountain from the money pit because uh I think
0: Mr. Hickey needs that. That's the peeing cherub, right? Yep. So how was this album received? Well, overall very very well, as uh, you pointed out, TJ, it was kind of steering into the wind of the sound at that su- of the sound at that time. Uh, Jason Jukebox quoted, The first Fountains of Wayne CD proved to be a timeless masterpiece. The melodies seemed familiar, and the lyrics would make you laugh and cry and identify with them. Every song in Fountains of Wayne in their catalog was co-billed as Collingwood and Schlesinger, and they wrote individually but collaborated together. So later on, as it got closer to the time of Adam's death, Collingwood basically came out and admitted that Schlesinger was doing a lot of the legwork, so take that for what it's worth. So at this point, Fountains of Wayne became an intact entity. They brought in Jody Porter and Brian Young full time, and they were playing as sort of a power pop quartet. And again, this is around 1996. Now, 96 is going to be an important year also because what came out that year in the movies, Hun? Uh, one of the
1: greatest uh, faults. Band biopics of all time Which we have brought up On several episodes of this show And seriously Between this and Empire Records They are my favorite Music-centric movies Of all time So uh, you want to tell us what it is? Oh yeah, it's That Thing You Do You know that one, TJ, too?
4: <laughs> I'm familiar with it I'm, I, Why uh, Fear of a Black Hat Is not in your own <laughs> Pantheon, not, really, that's, I love that movie. Well,
0: well, the reason why That Thing You Do is part of the conversation is because Schlesinger penned that catchy, iconic song for the film, That Thing You Do. Wow. Yep. So he was given the task of write a song that will be a one-hit wonder that's good enough to achieve that level of fame, but not good enough to have the band sustain beyond it. And he he hits the mark.
1: God, it's so yeah.
0: good too. I mean, that's amazing. So good. It actually earned him. It actually earned him an Academy Award nomination.
4: That's a, that's amazing, but that's also a tiny bit of foreshadowing.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yep.
4: If you think about that, the the band Fountains of Wayne and what they're known for, <laughs> and how many hits they had, that is that is oddly prophetic, actually. <laughs>
0: 1996, uh, Schlesinger is nominated for an Academy Award in 1997, which he doesn't win, but that's far from the end of the road for him. In 99, a bit of development in Adam's personal life, he marries a woman named Katie Michelle, who was an art book designer, and he met her, quote, in a downtown Manhattan bar. That's how we met. Yeah. And look how successful we are. Um, So he (laughs) marries in January of 99, and the two go on to have two daughters, Sadie and Claire. Uh, In April of 99, Fountains and Wayne gets their sophomore album out into the world, and that one is titled Utopia Parkway. Now, I have to say before we hear the track, the title track, Utopia Parkway, this one hits home for me because it really sums up the New Jersey suburban experience to a T. Um, And if you don't believe me, take the words of Brian Rafferty, LA Times music critic who wrote... You don't just lose yourself in a song like Utopia, Utopia Parkway. You actually cast yourself in it. Schlesinger excelled at touching, wryly observant tales of the everyday Joe ennui, and his characters were always uncomfortably recognizable. They were white collar drones who were passed out at Port Authority, yet still vowed to someday, quote, get there mm, together. <laughs> he said. He goes on to say that or they were wide eyed suburban kids cruising down the Long Island Expressway, hoping to find salvation at the rock and roll laser light show. That's growing up in the tri-state area, folks, to a T. But uh, I'll let Fountains of Wayne do the rest. I'm going to share with you the title track from Utopia Parkway
5: now. Well, I've been saving for a custom.
0: We're back after Utopia Parkway. Definitely more cynical mid to late 90s than the previous Fountains of Wayne material.
4: True. And and I have a question for you, yes, uh, Will, the Thrill, since you're, mm-hmm. you're from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Why is it that every song from somebody, from uh, uh, every song from someone from New Jersey about New Jersey pretty much details how bad New Jersey sucks?
0: And the irony of it is that most times the state tries to turn them into anthems. <laughs> and, uh,
4: yeah. And I was going to say, and people like spring state, every song he ever did is about how bad New Jersey sucks. And people
0: it. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And this is very much in that vein too. I mean, like you said, some, someone growing up in the tri-state area, you, you know, that image of these people who are like, I'm going to get it together. And they're again, passed out on the, the uh, path train. So that's pretty much life in the tri-state area. I think it's that people in New Jersey are always trying to get to New York and sometimes they don't achieve that. Sometimes they do, and they realize it's not what they thought it was. I don't know. I feel like it's general cynicism based on being sort of a little brother state. Yeah. So.
4: I mean, other than, other than the, um, the, the cookie cutter uh, interstate exits, it's, it's quite a nice state.
0: Oh, it is. There's a lot to offer. I mean, if you want to raise a family, there are a few better states. The schools are very good. The proximity to the city is excellent. You have a lot going for you. Um, I think as someone in their sort of 20s who's in that mid-phase, it's kind of a tough place to be because, again, you are in the middle. So, And again, this is what I was listening to during my Applebee's years. So Utopia Parkway may be one of their most critically acclaimed albums. So I'm going to read you a quote, and then I'm going to read who said it. I was so impressed by their, this is Fountains of Wayne, unique style and sound Something that's very different to pull off. Uniquely American and conjuring up vivid images of real suburbia. Any takers on who that is? Bruce Springsteen. Nope. Bon Jovi. Think Across the Pond. David Bowie. Closer, but not there yet. Mick McCartney. Jagger. Uh, closer with McCartney. Ringo it's not a Well, Let me put it this way. McCartney is a a knight of the British Empire, is he not? Elton. It is. It is Sir Elton John who gave that praise to Fountains of Wayne.
4: Wow! Yep. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, yeah, that's pretty handy stuff there.
0: So it's funny because Crumper actually cites notable frustration with Matchbox 20, saying, the promotion at the department said, oh my god, we have a single. And then Matchbox 20 would come along and say yes to anything, and we were like, no effing way. So... <laughs> Uh, Fountains of Wayne started to fall behind bands like Matchbox 20 and to your point TJ2 the Britneys came in and they just couldn't get any footholding on the charts so despite the the prowess behind Utopia Parkway it it was critically acclaimed but not it wasn't a billboard smash
4: but think, think about how, how diminished the, the market for rock bands was at this point
0: Oh yeah, they were swimming upstream. There's no question about that. I mean, it. There's,
4: there's just, this is when it, it's, I don't know if it yeah, you know, it maybe had already been set into motion, or maybe we, this was the start of the, the, of the descent, but it's hard to think of much memorable rock from the late 90s.
1: Yeah, and... Oh, because like we had bands like Nickelback and Linkin Park, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that's because that was the... The, the new rock which has a name it's um, crap <laughs> well no because
0: Lincoln Park was actually pretty good it was kind of an offshoot of but, alt rock I think it like comes from that same tree as like smashing pumpkins and bands like that yeah
1: but I mean we don't and and here's the thing people make fun but Nickelback has incredible music videos like some people make fun of their their music. But the fact is, there are some music videos, if you watch Nickelback's music videos, they're really introspective, really interesting. Well, they have
4: a couple of, and they have a couple of songs that, that, that you know, people can sneer at them all they want to. They have, they have some good songs. They also have a lot of really cheesy pro rock. But...
1: but also, the thing is, is the reason why Nickelback is popular is because people are buying their albums. So, you're like, yeah, you might be making fun of them, but somebody is purchasing these albums. There's a reason why they're on the charts
4: but my, my point is there's kind of a void for the kind of music that fountains of wayne was playing at the time the, the market for
0: it just was not huge uh,
1: i remember i remember the word it's new metal but new spelled in mm. new metal that's what it was called yeah
0: and, and, and to your point dj you're absolutely right this ultimately led to fountains of wayne being dropped by atlantic in 2001. so at the start of the millennium atlantic was like uh no thanks So, fortunately, Schlesinger doesn't lose hope, and Crumper doesn't lose hope either, so they're still trying to pull this band along. Uh, One of Adam's longtime friends was quoted as saying, Adam was just the guy that was playing in clubs like no one else, and all of a sudden he was on MTV. Nobody was surprised, because if anyone was going to be successful, it was going to be Adam Schlesinger. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Yes, sir. 2003. Fountains of Wayne joins S-Curve Records... And actually, Schlesinger lends his producing hand on this one as well. I mean, he had been basically producing the albums before. I think this might be the first one where he's credited. And they release an album called Welcome Interstate Managers. It proved to be their Billboard 200 breakthrough and got all the way up to number 115. So it's one of their most successful singles of all time. And we're going to play it. I was on the fence about playing it, but I'm like, you can't talk about Fountains of Wayne. And that is none other than that suburban anthem and unforgettable video starring the just uh, gorgeous Rachel Hunter. And that is Stacy's mom. Woo! we we've arrived folks we have arrived
2: <laughs>
1: okay so it, it when we ended the song it autoplay to semisonics, um closing time and and the the picture of it remember what we were talking about last week was the the putting out of the best of albums this is literally a 20th century masters the best of semi-sonics the millennium collection <laughs> wow <laughs> how apropos <laughs> there's
0: only one song but we, we have arrived at.
4: So it's a it's a it's a twenty it's a twenty two year old single. <laughs> it's a medley of their many hits.
0: <laughs> I think it's safe to say we've now arrived at the fountains of Wayne. Everyone knows sure. and loves.
4: Sure, and obviously, the video is super memorable because oh. the former Mrs. Rod Stewart mm-hmm. is uh, in it and uh, looks uh, uh, nice. That would agree. You know, be one way to put it No, I was just saying Obviously the, the video is super, super memorable Because it, it reminded the world Hey, Rachel Hunter's hot
1: um, I will say there is a, like As a woman, she looks gorgeous Throughout the entire thing Except for, I don't know who shot this video But the, the shot of her actually coming out Of the pool Yeah, It looks creepy Like her eyes look really creepy It doesn't look like her at all yeah, and it was like they they shot overhead, and it was lit really weird, and she kind of just looks like a seal. Now every other shot of her, she is banging dead on hot. This is the one shot where I'm like, mm, maybe go with a profile. <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> um, but the thing with that is, you know, at this point you're only a couple of years removed from American Pie. Fair point. When the phrase Stifler's mom became kind of a cultural buzzword. Yeah. Buzz term. And then Stacy's mom became a similar thing, you know, three or four years later. And I just want, I, I kind of wonder if the song was in, in any way inspired by the movie.
0: Well, the funny thing is Collingwood actually opposed this song from the get go. He didn't want to do it. Uh, wow. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was reluctant. He said, I was reluctant to do it, but you don't want to kill the session by being a bad sport. When it was done, I didn't think it belonged on the album. I knew it would be a single, and I knew it would be a hit, and everyone else knew it, but I was the only one who didn't think a novelty hit was a good idea.
4: We've never had a hit, and I don't want one.
0: <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah. <laughs> well, thankfully, he was he was overruled.
4: Yeah, yeah there, are, there are other famous instances of this. I mean, if you go back and study the history of music, George Jones did not want to record. He stopped loving her today.
1: Really? Oh, wow
4: which is by far the big, probably the biggest hit of his career. It's, it's, it's one of his signature songs. He didn't want to record it. His exact words, well, yeah, it's a good song, but it ain't going to sell because it's too damn sad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we'd agree that this is probably Fountains of Wayne's most notable.
4: Certainly. Songs. Oh, yeah. certainly. They're certainly the most culturally significant, memorable, biggest pop hit.
0: And and it also got them a Grammy nomination, which they had not had before. So Wow. Yeah. So now Fountains of Wayne is... Has arrived, and they're touring, and I think this is where things get a little tense, uh, because touring life from, I've never done it, but from what I can understand, can be a challenge. It sounds glamorous on paper, but, uh, you know, they had bigger tours, larger venues, and as Collingsworth said, it was more people acting like idiots. Uh, He remembers times when they were throwing deli trays out of the bus window, smashing things, and drinking, quote, a lot, end quote. Uh, during this time, Jody Porter actually recalls destroying a hotel room in Tokyo and dismantling a toilet in a strip club in Pittsburgh. And he, in both cases, credits Adam Schlesinger as being his savior. He said, he's the kind of guy that'll bail you out of jail at least two or three times.
4: Yeah. Well, so I think, of, course, of course, that takes you back to the old, the, you know, the old joke. You, know, you say, oh, well, look, he's such a good friend, he'd, he'd bail you out of jail. It's like, yeah, if he was really your friend, he'd be in jail with you.
0: <laughs> well i think it shows that adam was not only the driving creative force but he was kind of the peacekeeper as well i think he was trying to hold everything together because bear in mind also he's married at this point um he's a little yeah. more
4: grounded he's married he's got at least one kid i think by this time you say that. yeah yes he
0: has, he has two daughters sadie and claire and yeah he's got at least the one by now so yeah like you said i think he's got a bit more uh a bit more his feet are on the ground here uh, but, of course, things get tense with Fountains and Wayne, you know, and Kongsworth even says they were fighting all the time. It was sometimes music disagreements, art disagreements, set lists, just like the little things started to pile up. And when he talks about Adam, he says, I loved him and the people you love can piss you off more than anybody else.
1: That is true.
0: So, needless to say, Fountains of Wayne is starting to, there are some cracks forming. Um So by 2005, Fountains of Wayne follows up their album in 2003, which, of course, was uh, Welcome Interstate Managers with Stacey's mom with an album called Traffic and Weather. Uh, It actually comes out in 2007 and it reaches 97 on the Billboard album chart. So uh, a reasonable success. Not as, I think, iconic as Welcome Interstate Manager, but still it, it makes a splash in the Billboard land, which, you know, they hadn't done previously
4: right and this and this is honestly you you've just um you just named off the you know gave the name of an album that I heretofore did not know existed <laughs>
0: so- yeah exactly i mean their catalog is so much going for it, and i hope this album serves i'm sorry this episode serves as a chance for people to go back and explore their works cuz as you're about to see Schlesinger is about to branch out into not just you know music he's he's forayed into movies as we saw in 1996 um, he's going to actually get into broadway soon hun so we'll talk about that uh-huh. yeah And um, he starts dealing more and more again, just spreading those tendrils out through the musical world. And again, I was floored when I did this research. So in 2007, Schlesinger does start to work on movies. Now bear in mind at this point, he's still in Fountains of Wayne. He's still in Ivy too. Don't forget about that. Ivy is still cutting albums at this point, many of which he's on the production side of. So I don't know when this guy slept, honestly. And, and he's touring. And he's touring.
4: He you know, so he's got multiple bands, he's producing, he's touring. He you know, he almost he reminds you a little bit of like Mike Patton or somebody.
0: I could see that. Yeah who had
4: who had so many balls in the air at once. It's like I'm in three bands and I produce like two other bands and I yeah. co own a record label and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And he actually links up in late two thousand seven, early two thousand eight with a writer named David Javerbaum. So it's not pronounced Jagerbomb. And I read it a few times and thought that's how it went, but it's a Jabberbomb. Oh, bomb. no. Uh, Jabberbomb's actually from also New Jersey. He's from Maplewood, New Jersey. Well,
4: that I, my, my name would be Jagerbomb if it was called <laughs>
1: like that. I'm just telling you. Uh, fun fact about New Jersey, when he's talking about the geography of New Jersey. Me and UT growing up, you would drive for like, you would leave our little town, Chester, and you would drive like, 30 minutes and you would hit the first next town. It would be like Rock Hill. Or you drive like 20 minutes and you'll be in Richburg, right? All, all
4: the ma- all the major towns in our state are about 30 minutes you know be a car apart because in the old days that's about as far as you could travel via a horse or carriage.
1: Well, in New Jersey, if you drive that same length of time, you'll drive about so say you you take a half hour you'll drive through about thirty six towns.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's true.
1: <laughs> I was like, how many how many towns do you pass going from uh where you lived to the Dave and Buster's?
0: It's literally like fourteen towns, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yep, <laughs> all stacked on top of each other. It's so crazy. So bear in mind, Adam's got now two bands going. He's touring. He's just had a smash hit, and as the aughts begin to wane. Uh, in 2007, he links up with the production company for the film Music and Lyrics. Do you know that one, LD? With Hugh Grant?
1: Is it, it is a movie with music?
0: Yes. Uh, yes, it's about, yes. Uh, Hugh Grant plays like an aging pop star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, Drew, Drew Barrymore, correct? I believe so, yes. Schlesinger did the music, mm-hmm. and he also wrote three original songs. Again, while all this is going on. And it gets even better because in 2008 he links up with Javerbaum. He also gets involved with LD. You'll like this, the stage musical Crybaby.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, yep. I did not get to see it because um, I had already left New York at this time. But yeah, I heard some, I heard some fun things. We're going to touch a lot more on uh, Broadway next week. But yes, um, this
0: is one of my personal obsessions. So in in 2008, uh, Schlesinger actually pens the music. And score for Crybaby. Again, while well, all of this is going on, and it scores a Matoni nomination, along with David Daverbaum who did the writing. So again, incredibly prolific body of work. And we're not done yet. At this point,
1: he could almost be an EGOT if he had actually won. He was darn close.
0: Ugh. He was darn hey, close. Hey,
4: hey, Elday, can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah. And first of all, I think nominations-wise, he actually gets three of those four by the time we're done with this. If I, if the little bit I read about him was correct, but why did they um, arrange the letters like that instead of making it a real word like gate? What instead of egat? Why didn't they make it
1: gate? Egat.
4: No, but so no, but I'm saying you could have made it a real word like gate, g a t e. It got all four of them in there.
1: No, there's not. No, there's not. There's no a. It's Emmy Grammy. Oscar Tony
4: well, goat, goat. <laughs> because
1: because goat is the greatest of all time it means no, something I mean,
4: else say that say that yeah well if you've got all four then you probably are
0: because you're James Earl Jones <sighs> Boom! I quit I quit
4: <laughs> goat
0: <laughs> So he grabs a, a Tony nomination. And then he starts writing for television. So in 2009, he actually writes for The Colbert Show for A Colbert Christmas. And he writes The Greatest Gift of All, which is one of the songs. And he co-produces this with Javerbaum and Stephen M. Gold. And while all this is going on, of course, you're thinking, what does Adam do? Well, he starts another band. So he co-founds a supergroup called Tinted Windows, which included James E. Ha of The Smashing Pumpkins bunny carlos from cheap trick one of my favorite drummers of all time Oh wow and this is for ld taylor hansen <laughs> taylor hansen <laughs> so while he's in two bands writing for broadway writing for television getting nominated for Tonys, he's like i'm gonna start a super group and he does <laughs> with uh by producing their uh debut album it was an lp actually with s-curve in 2009 uh, Schlesinger issued records with both of his other bands, also Ivy and Fountains of Wayne. In 2011, Fountains of Wayne releases Sky Full of Holes, which would actually be their last album. And it got up to number 37 on the Billboard album charts. This is all by 2011. It's, it's just astounding, isn't it?
4: It is, and I, I'm astounded I had never heard of that supergroup.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, Bunny Carlos. That guy's amazing.
4: But I was going to say, if Bunny Carlos was part of the proceedings and I, and I was unaware of it, <laughs> that's, that's
0: odd. I mean, it's got Hanson, James Eha, the Smashing Pumpkins, Bunny Carlos, and Adam Schlesinger. That's something for everybody.
4: We've managed to, to form a supergroup that included members of Smashing Pumpkins, Hanson, and Cheap Trick. Cheap Trick. <laughs> Okay, can I, I also say that,
1: that Hanson actually has, you'll be interested in this, uh, TJ, too. Hanson has their own beer. Do you know what it's called?
4: Oh, yes, hop or something.
0: Hops. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Clever. So as I said, Fountains of Wayne is pretty much, you know, done at this point. Uh the last album Sky Full of Holes was actually a reunion album. So uh at that point Jody Porter says it was kind of our Abbey Road. We knew the tour was over and uh you know, it was a great time. So that chapter is slowly closing in Adam Slessinger's life. 2011, he gets nominated for a Daytime Emmy for his work on Sesame Street with I Wonder. So now he's also writing for Sesame Street. This guy just doesn't know how to quit.
4: So he went from hanging out with Bunny Carlos and Taylor Hanson <laughs> to Grover.
0: And, and Broadway, mind you. This is all happening essentially concurrently.
4: I'm far yeah. more impressed by the fact that he's hanging out with like Grover and Oscar and Snuffleupagus.
0: And LD, you'll appreciate this. So in 2011, he's nominated for his work on Sesame Street. He does Elmo the Musical, I Wonder. He collaborates with Molly Boylan. And in 2012 and 2013, he works again with David Javerbaum. They pick up two Emmys for their opening and closing numbers for the Tony Awards, which include It's Not Just For Gays Anymore and If I Had The Time. Which was done by Patrick Harris. NPH performed them, yep. And, of course, with all this going on, something's going to slide. And, unfortunately, in this case, it was Adam's marriage. So, by 2013, he does split from his wife, Kate Michelle. Uh, they have the two daughters, and he continued to be an amazing father, according to his mother, who was then a grandmother. And he said that he always said the best production he ever did was those two girls. Yeah. And in fact, Adam goes on to... He... he has a life partner from this point on. He meets her after his marriage ends, and her name is Alexis Morley. They don't officially marry, but they stay together, you know, through Adam's unfortunate death. Uh, 2015, of course, what does Schlesinger do? He forms another band, because that's what she Because he didn't have enough at this point. <laughs> right. right? Uh, this was more of a new wave sort of revival group. It was called Fever High. Um, it consisted primarily of Anna Nordeen, who had an album called You Know Who I Am, and Rennie Lane, who was a vocalist with another band called Razorlight. So Adam goes on to produce their EP and pretty much all of their material with Sire Records. So again, he's got another band in the works, which is just crazy. So now we get to what LD's been talking about this whole time. Around 2015, he joins the CW series Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I'm so upset
1: that you have not let me watch this show because it is a musical show and I watched Cop Rock. I love Smash. Pushing Daisies didn't have a ton of musical numbers, but when they did, it was awesome. Gallivant is one of my favorite shows. So no one told me that there was a TV show <laughs> that was basically a Broadway musical every single episode, because I would have been watching it, and it lasted for longer than all of the other shows. Well, well,
4: I've never seen it, but you have to understand, LD, that with the title Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, that might hit a little different with me and a little <laughs> than with you.
0: I mean, fair. Well, the show stars Rachel Bloom, who was also one of the key you know drivers behind the music uh Schlesinger also worked with Jack Dolgan and Steve Gold both of whom were music producers on the show and here's what's going to absolutely blow your mind the show ran from 2015 to 2019 during that that time period Adam Schlesinger wrote or co-wrote a jaw-dropping 157 songs
4: just just for that series? Just, just for, for the, the series. series. Oh, wow. That is amazing.
0: <laughs> I know. It's insane. And I know that uh, you've got one queued up here. We're going to share a song with you. Which one is this? Really? I mean? Hey, real quick. I have oh, a go question. Ahead.
4: Okay. Mm. So I'm, I'm unfamiliar with this show. Um, th- So it's a musical show?
0: It is a musical show. Yes. Comedy.
4: Is it? Does it bear any relation to the Miranda Lambert song?
0: I don't,
1: name. I don't believe so. I don't think so, no. I don't believe so.
4: I'm just thinking that would have been around the same time, so I just didn't know if that just happened to be a coincidence or.
1: Well, you always have to remember too that TV shows in production, pre-production can can take years to get off the ground. Sure. So it. it... You, know,
4: you know what that reminds me of? Now that you, you talk about him, uh, Will writing 150 something songs for this yep. series, which is which is just amazing.
0: Which is just one of his projects, mind you. <laughs>
4: If 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 uh, and this is going back a ways, but I, I know LD was a fan, and I, I, you may have been too. That's kind of like uh, Mark uh, was it the, uh, Mother's Ball?
0: For yeah, Mark Mother's Ball. All those mm-hmm. songs
4: for Pee Wee's Playhouse.
0: <laughs> That's right.
4: Like every every piece of music you ever heard in that was written by Mother's Ball,
0: which is crazy.
4: Yeah, and he would get the, the episodes and say, "Okay, we need um we need like five songs from you in three days,"
0: and he would do it. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. That's pretty much what Schlesinger was doing. Yeah, it's, that, it's that, just that, that, astounding that,
4: that, the, the prolific nature of a hundred and fifty something songs just for that series, not not from the seventeen bands he was doing. It, <laughs> exactly. That, that's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, it's
0: just it's, it's insane. And what, what song did you pick from Crazy Ex Girlfriend LD? I picked the song
1: "Antidepressants Are So Not a Big Deal," and this song actually won an Emmy. On the last day of Suicide Prevention Week, according to Catherine Tinker on YouTube. So we're going to listen to that right now because I want a musical. Fluoxetine.
2: Fluoxetine,
5: paroxetine, paroxetine, citalopram,
2: citalopram, take once a day. Lufoxetine, fluoxetine,
5: fluoxetine, paroxetine,
2: paroxetine, citalopram, citalopram, may cause dry mouth. From the moment that we learn to walk and speak, our parents tell us everyone's unique. Now I'm not saying Cause you'll say not special, no No, you're not The butcher, the baker, the grocery clerk They're all on 20 milligrams or so The movers, the shakers, the happy homemakers You'd be surprised how many of them know To the club with open admission You're cast in the play that has no audition Yes, everyone is special, that's usually the sitch But when it comes to meds, you're such a basic bitch I lost my job and for six months I couldn't leave my bed
3: yet. When my husband died I stopped bathing and watched Christian TV instead Ooh. Now we're on pills and, and it's less of a song Just
2: The origins of life are messy and imprecise they well, are all the result of natural selection True! So why should I feel crappy about something that makes me happy?
5: Though it may be
3: hard to maintain an erection Maybe you should adjust your dosage I already tried that. Did it work? Have you tried another medication? Yep, but that one made me gain weight Oh, that totally happened to me It got better within a few months Thanks!
2: Cool! And t- Fluoxygen, fluoxygen, paroxygen, paroxygen, our lawyers won't let us say brand names.
1: so good. It's so much fun. I oh, got yeah, this is so much fun. I want to so tell you fun. something
4: about that song, Will. Yes, sir. Um, so, uh, not that musically, that's not necessarily my cup of tea. I know that's mm-hmm. something that LD would like a lot. But if you think about the fact that everything we've heard from him up to now is rock songs and pop songs and much more mainstream stuff, suddenly now he's doing what sounded like the baby of... Like disco and show tunes, the, the 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 breadth and and overall talent this guy has to be able to craft that many different songs well and that many different genres is pretty impressive.
1: It's unbelievable. Actually, what was interesting about this song specifically was it I think is almost lampooning La La Land's Another Day of Sun.
4: Take your word for it. And and again, I mean, I hate to just to, to do it because it's not an apples to apples comparison, but this. He continues to remind me of Mike Patton.
0: I, I could see that though, because I because see Patton
4: that. embraced so many different musical s- styles. I mean, you you can if you go on, on YouTube, you can find him singing opera and singing it extremely well. And of course, he did "Faith No More" and "Mr. Bungle," and he did you know easy listening, and he did polka, and he did heavy metal, and all this stuff. Like he touched a lot of different areas, and this guy did too. He maybe isn't quite as well known for having done all that stuff, but just, if you go back and just listen to the various songs we have played in the course of this podcast, I mean, it's, it's pretty diverse.
1: Yeah, well, this, uh, we were going over song titles, like to pick four of the episode, and I liked, uh, you know, the antidepressants are so not a big deal because everybody kind of deals with this. But the sense of humor that he had when writing these songs, just some of these song titles are so incredibly funny. It's, uh, I always never believed in you. (laughs) Where's the bathroom? Let's generalize about men. Love kernels. Remember that when we suffered, who's the new guy? The first penis I saw (laughs) trapped in a car with (laughs) someone you don't don't want to be trapped in a car with gratuitous karaoke moment. I want to be a child star. We're just some of the songs that he wrote. <laughs> <Those> are great.
0: <laughs> I mean, he's just, like you said, the, the depth of his, it's just, it's unmatched. It's crazy. And uh, I do want to, I'm glad you brought up that the, his ability to sort of, you know, steer into a genre, you know, like he was going with La Land, because what I'm going to say next, LD, I think you're going to find impressive, but I think TJ, this is going to blow you away. 2016, Adam works with none other than... The Monkeys. Oh, Peter what? Tork. Yep. So they released two albums, uh, one in 2016 and one in 2018. And Schlesinger produced both of them. He mixed them. He co-engineered them and played numerous instruments on these albums with The Monkeys. Mickey Dolenz was quoted saying, I really liked him the moment I met him. Of course, I knew who he was because of that thing you do. When the album came out, people would say... Is that you? So basically, they heard it musically and thought Mickey Dolans had done it, when in fact, it was Adam Schlesinger who had written and produced all the songs. Holy wow. cow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, again, the this guy was so versatile. It's so versatile. And as we all know, in 2019, the Monkees lost Peter Tork. Between those two Monkey albums, Adam actually goes back to Fever High because, again, he had nothing to do. And... <laughs> He produced their full length debut album because he had done EPs before, and this was called FHNY. He was actually beginning to work on another project, which was LDL like this a collaboration with none other than Sarah Silverman. Sweet. Schlesinger's is working with her on adapting her memoir, which is called The Bedwetter, into a Broadway show. Huh. Yeah. And it was scheduled, previews were scheduled. For spring of 2020.
1: No. So now now things R-I-P. are going to get. Uh, I'm sorry,
0: guys. Things are going to get a little dark here.
1: Because of COVID, we've lost so many great shows on Broadway, including one that I really was looking forward to seeing, which was Beetlejuice. And uh, so fingers crossed they have a pro shot that was done prior to because that was a really, really well done show. And i I, wanna, I wanted to see that. So we have lost a lot of great shows because of COVID.
0: Yeah, and as I said, uh, this adaptation of the memoir, which was slated to go into off-Broadway previews spring of 2020, and as we all know, Broadway shut down at that time. March 15th, 2020. Adam Schlesinger develops a dry cough and a fever. After about a week, his symptoms didn't go away, and his family actually takes him to a hospital in Poughkeepsie, New York, where Adam was diagnosed with COVID-19. They placed him on a ventilator, and for a while there, things were starting to look up. Uh, his co-worker, Stephen Gold from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, had said, I was playing Fountains of Wayne as loud as I could. I was saying, this is Adam. He can effing get through anything. Sadly, he didn't. On April 1st, 2020, we lost Adam Schlesinger. And he was only 52 years old. Jesus.
4: And In- and the thing the thing there is, you know... He still, I mean, wasn't old.
0: No, uh, not by any means. He, no.
4: he, he wasn't, and there didn't appear to, at least that, that you've mentioned, any other underlying health issues, right?
0: No, it, it basically came out of nowhere. He had a dry cough and a fever in mid-March, and he was dead about two weeks later. In fact, uh, mentioning what you did, his former manager, Michael Crumper, said, Think of freaking Steven Sondheim. How old is he? This is who Adam was meant to be. It's an effing tragedy. His uh, co-worker with the band Ivy quoted, One thing about Adam, he thought that expressing feelings was not very cool, but behind that he was an extremely sensitive and highly romantic person. He was free as a person could be. He chose his life in a way that was free of compromise and boredom. Sometimes that made it difficult for the people who worked with him, but I also know that's why we loved him so much. I'm going to read you a direct quote now that came out shortly after Adam Schlesinger's death, and this is by Stephen Thompson of NPR. and I'm going to read it its entirety, so bear with me. Schlesinger's death is so painful to contemplate. Not only because he was such a generous collaborator, and not only because his work spread so much joy and kind-hearted humor, though both of those things are most assuredly true, it's also that so many great works are now suffused with his loss he seemed endlessly prolific with creative trend that extended into the category of so many other brilliant artists to mourn Adam Schlesinger is to mourn for his family, his girlfriend, his parents, his sister, and his two children, all of whom are suffering losses that extend well beyond a creative legacy, but it's worth also sparing thoughts for his collaborators for Collingwood, Bloom, Javerbaum, Silverman, and so many others, whose work he enriched, he was a genius. But he was also a team player, and his loss extend to a lot of other teams, to a lot of art. It's excruciating to feel those losses all at once.
4: I think the one of the key words uh, about him is, is one that you just included in one of those quotes, and that's prolific.
0: Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean,
4: yeah I mean when he's in I mean literally he's in two or three bands of his own and then he's producing super groups on the side and the monkeys on the side and he's
0: and he's winning tonys
4: right winning tonys and he's doing uh, he he's writing for tv and movies and all this stuff it's like I, he's one of those guys where you're almost like do you get more hours in a day than i do
0: exactly <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and the other word that that kind of hit was teams. Because it wasn't just him sitting alone, it was him collaborating with, you know, the cast of Crybaby, my crazy ex girl, uh, crazy ex girlfriend, Sarah Silverman, Fountains of Wayne, Ivy, the Supergroups. He's he, it's not just him alone in a room. It's him collaborating with other people to create this art heck sesame street like that he he was not a lone wolf he he was happy to collaborate
4: he worked with the monkeys and big bird come on um, right yes
0: i mean like you said tj just the depth of his accomplishment is really it's you don't see that very often and i know from my perspective driving down you know route 46 to go to work listening to fountains of wayne that was just the tip of the proverbial iceberg. There was so much there. And honestly, I didn't uncover most of it until this research. And I hope that as we close out this episode, which I promise we will do on a high note, because I feel like we've all gone down after everything, is explore that catalog. Enjoy it. There, there really is something for everybody there. And in the
1: end, that's what I hope that this podcast does, is that you listen to this episode and you hear someone and we humanize them and you go back and you listen to them and we open up a new world for you. That is the point of the show.
4: And and he's a guy who a lot of his work, I I don't want to say it would be anonymous, most people are not going to connect him to Sesame Street and to the Tonys and to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and stuff. So there's a lot of stuff this guy did that even if you were familiar with Fountains of Wayne, you probably didn't know his fingerprints were off. Exactly. So it's this is a yes, it's an opportunity to go, Oh wow, this this guy was crazy talented and yeah, and it's an opportunity to go back and kind of check out a lot of different things that, that this guy did in a lot of different of, of genres and, and venues and platforms. It's it's really impressive when you you sit and start to consider everything that he kind of touched along the way.
0: And he really embraced every facet of the music industry. I mean when they say someone's going to go into an artistic field. You need to do that. You know, you can't have that tunnel vision and he succeeded in again, participating in everything from the production of music to the writing, to the performance, to, you know, helping other artists. It's just, it's incredible. It's just beyond incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: So I know that will has a little bit of a tag. So I'm going to go ahead and give us, uh, give you guys our social stuff, which is if you think that we're doing an awesome job and would like to give us cash, you can do that at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. Our Twitter is at rock and roll LT, Instagram is rock and roll heaven LT, Facebook, rock and roll heaven pod. Our website, still not saying it, and you can email us at rock and roll heaven LT at gmail.com. Make sure to check out all the other awesome Pantheon podcasts at rock and roll And if I said everything too fast, you will find that information down in our show notes in the episode description. So, uh thank you guys so much for checking out this episode please make sure that you check out next week's episode where we're going to be covering nick cordero uh after that we will be taking one week off and then we'll be coming back with an awesome series of episodes which i'm very happy because it's my birthday month and last year you guys know i did the month of mercury and this time around my birthday is going to be about three different people so uh look forward to that one guys so i'm going to pass this back over
0: to mr hickey as he closes out the show thank you guys Sure. So I, as promised, don't want to end this on such a sad note because I don't think that's the best way to sort of retrospect a career of this scope. So I am going to end it on a more positive note here. Um, But before I say that, I just want to say, you know, Adam, I hope we did you proud. You know, there's so much there. And I hope that, you know, people will continue to enjoy your music and your legacy, you know, beyond the time you spent here on this earth. So there's so much there. And again, I encourage you all to take a look and I will leave you with a quote and a song. Uh, This one came from the great Tom Hanks, who was, of course, a colleague of Adam Schlesinger's on That Thing You Do. And on the unfortunate day of Adam's passing, Tom Hanks said, it was a terribly sad day. And then he summed it up perfectly when he talked about Adam and said, he was a wonder. Of course, spelled.
1: O-N-E. Wonder. Or, I wonder what happened to
0: the (laughs) O'needers. Exactly. So we will leave you with perhaps one of Adam's best known endeavors into music. That is the theme, the title track from that movie from 1996, That Thing You Do. So thank you, Adam, and thank you, everyone, for listening.